Well, uh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, okay, let's get that out of the way. I'm trying to grow a beard, okay? <laughs> My kids have dared me. I I'm not allowed to shave for three months, so it's been about two days. And, um, <laughs> two years. Um, it's lovely to see you all. If you're visiting tonight, it's, it's great to have you here. I'd love to meet you afterwards. And it's good to be back after the summer. We had a great time as a family. We had a week in Devon. Bex's art went well. I don't know whether she's in here or not, but that went well. So thank you for your prayers. And what we plan to do tonight is basically think about the church in this season and also this term and for the next uh, three weeks, four including this, we're going to just be thinking about what we're about as a church and our vision and what have you. And uh, if my first slide can go up, I wasn't sure whether to stick with the plan tonight, because I don't know about you, it has been one big crazy week. And, um, you know, it's been, I, I found it really quite sort of uh, unsettling. I found it sort of overwhelming. I found that what on earth is happening? And I'm not making political comments here. I'm not being partisan. I don't know whether you love Boris or, or not. I don't know what you make of the Tory rebels. I don't know what you make of Brexit. In a, in a sense, the point I'm making is we're in this crazy time as a country. And uh, I think not to acknowledge that would be really, really strange. And also, uh, I don't know about you, but I still feel pretty full of grief about Rob Wilkinson and, and his sudden death a few weeks ago. And I know as a church family, we've been grieving about that, even, even though the service last week was wonderful. But it's sort of a funny time we find ourselves in. What I planned to do was actually speak uh, about Ezekiel and his vision of the river water flowing from the temple. Has anyone read that bit of the uh, Bible. We'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. And I, I wasn't sure about Ezekiel as I was preparing this, but actually he's perfect for our context. There he is uh, up there. Uh, he's an Old Testament prophet. He's perfect because actually he lived at a time of real political upheaval and real cultural, social um, uh, change uh, was his context. He was a priest, he was a prophet, and he was also a real international statesman and very, very incisive uh, with what was happening politically uh, at his time. And the context he was in, basically, was that, uh, should we, you know the story, God creates Adam and Eve, humanity, they turn away, uh, they leave the garden. Uh, he basically then promises this guy Abraham, he'll bless him through his descendants. Uh, we jump forward and Moses lead people, the Israelites, out of slavery uh, in Egypt. God, where's God going to live? Well, he says, I'll live in the Ark of the Covenant. They carry around with them. It then becomes in the tent, the tabernacle. And then David thinks, God needs a building. He needs a building uh, to live in. Let's build a temple. God says, no, let Solomon do that. So basically, this first temple is built. Why am I telling you all of that? Don't fall asleep just yet. Why am I telling you all of that? Because Ezekiel lives at a time of great national tragedy when the northern kingdom was defeated by the Assyrians and the southern kingdom, where the temple was in Jerusalem, the Babylonians came in. And uh, they basically destroyed the temple. And uh, it was just a national tragedy. Because why? The temple was where you went to encounter God. 
If you wanted to meet with God, uh, you went to the temple. That's where God dwelt. And the Babylonians basically came in, I think in 586 BC, and they trashed the temple. They trashed Jerusalem. And they, they took captive 10,000 uh, Jewish people. Ezekiel was one of them. Uh, they took them into captivity in Babylon. And so Ezekiel's here. And uh, God starts speaking to him. And he hears God's voice. And he has this extraordinary vision uh, of a, a new temple and water coming out of the temple. So I want to just think about uh, this vision tonight that he has. I don't know whether you've had any God visions. Has anyone had any, any visions? Lots of people do. The Spirit gives people visions. Ezekiel has this amazing uh, vision. And I think if Ezekiel was here tonight with our political situation, uh, with some of the stuff that's happening in our country globally as well, you know, uh, he would actually say, whatever you do, whatever state your life is in tonight, whether you're in a great season or a troubling season, whether you're grieving, whatever's happening, whether you're thinking, yikes, I'm going back to work, whatever it is, know that God is sovereign, he's powerful, he's in control, and he is working a phenomenal, awe-inspiring, majestic unstoppable work of transformation. That's what Ezekiel would say. And do never, never, ever forget that. Never. So he has this vision, and I want to just go through this vision very, very quickly from Ezekiel 47. It's the river from the temple. So I'm going to read this out. Hopefully some stuff will come up on the screen. So what he sees in his vision is water flowing from this new temple. Uh, remember, he's been in Babylon 25 years. The temple's trashed. He's with a whole lot of captives, and he has this vision. And uh, this is verse 1 and 2. It says this, The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate, led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. The water's tripling. This man is an angel. He's accompanying Ezekiel in his vision. And water's flowing from the second temple that's going to be built. And uh, you know water in the Bible is a, is a key theme. It's there right at the beginning of the story. The Spirit of God is ho hovering over the waters. There, there's a river uh, in the Garden of Eden. And uh, uh, Ezekiel says this water is going to flow through this new temple. And so this is uh, uh, an extraordinary picture. And uh, he basically, uh, uh, this trickle is a powerful flow of water and work of God. This is verses uh, three to six. As the man went eastward with the measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. Now cubits was a specific measurement at that time. It's about a thousand cubits or about 450 meters apparently. So he led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it's a river that I couldn't cross because the water had risen that was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. 
So you see, this, is, uh, this river is not an ordinary river. It, it grows in depth. I, um, I said to Fred, Bex is sort of recovering from her up, and the other boys are away. Fred, my nine-year-old, I said to him, I said, Fred, what do you want to do today? Do whatever you want, what do you want to do? He said, I want to go and swim in the river. And it wasn't a very nice day. I wasn't feeling very well. You know, if you've got kids, you'll know you regret those things. And I said, well, what about a bike ride? I'm thinking the last thing I want to do is go and swim in the river. Uh, he's, I said, what about a right, right? No, Dad, I want to swim in the river. I said, what about we go fishing? No, Dad, you said we could do anything. I want to swim in the river. So we go down to the river where, you know, the bridge by the sand, the yellow sand, you know where I am? Is it St. Catherine's Bridge? So we go there. I'm feeling really slightly uh, just fed up. And I, I go with Fred's there. We're in, we're in our swimming stuff. And I put just a little um, foot in the water. It's cold. It's just a little trickle. And then I go in ankle deep, knee deep. You know, that's about six inches. Um, and then waist deep. Uh, and then we start swimming. And you have to just plunge in. And uh, But you see, that river was a, a strong river. But the river of God uh, grows in depth and power. Uh, and is phenomenally unlike any other river. And uh, there's no tributaries in God's river, uh, but it just grows through its own life, through its own force. So do you see this picture that Ezekiel's painting? And uh, actually, it's not just a deep river. It's not just a flowing uh, river. It's actually a river that actually brings healing and transformation. And uh, if you want to find healing and transformation, you need to step into the river of God. Let me read this, verses 6 and 8. Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. Trees, what are you thinking? You're thinking the Garden of Eden. River, what are you thinking? The river that flows through the Garden of Eden. There's a work of restoration that's happening here. And basically, the water flows towards the eastern region, goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salter water there becomes fresh. So I don't, has anyone been to the Dead Sea? I went, I went a few people. I went to the Dead Sea as an so 18-year-old. Um, and um, I remember going there. It's literally dead. You know, the water, the River Jordan flows into it. Nothing flows out of it. It's dead. It's, you can literally lie in it. And I was going to show you a picture of me uh, aged 18 in, in a pair of swimming trunks being covered with Dead Sea mud by this strange person I'd never met before. But I decided not to, just in the grounds of decency. So you'll probably be relieved about that. But it's dead. But you see, when the river of God flows into this dead sea, it comes fresh. Uh, it's restored. And uh, if you want to find the life of God, the restoration of God, you've got to be someone, you see, who gets in the river. And uh, God can turn around situations and change situations. So it's a healing and transforming uh, River, are you with me? This river is so powerful, this river of God flowing from the temple where God is present that it actually can bring life. Verse 9, swarms of living creatures will live there wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Absolutely everything will live where this river flows from the temple. And whoever encounters this river benefits 
this is this last bit. Fishermen will stand alongside the shore from Engedi to Einaglane. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They'll be left for salt. And this is a really, really powerful picture of healing and transformation. This final verse, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they'll bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve as food and their leaves for healing. So Ezekiel, 25 years in captivity in Babylon, once they've trashed, they kind of, they, they, the Babylonians did what ISIS did um, in Iraq, just trashed all the, all the sacred buildings. And uh, here's Ezekiel, he, he's this prophet, and he's been in captivity 25 years. He has this vision, uh, and he thinks God is going to do this. And you know what? These aren't just words. This is a prophecy, and these things happen. And so in 538 BC, a second temple is built. Actually, there's this ruler, Cyrus. He gets the captives back to Jerusalem. They rebuild this temple, Solomon's temple. And again, you see, the temple is the place where God dwells, where you can go and encounter God, and the people of God are restored. So let's pause there. Uh, Just turn to the person next to you. What struck you so far uh, about these powerful words of mine? So far, what struck you? That was a joke. No one laughed. Um, So let's just pause, and then we're going to keep going on this river odyssey in a minute, okay? What struck you so far about Ezekiel and his prophecy and the power of the river? Okay, so I'm, go- I'm going to keep going. So God dwells in this second temple. If you want to encounter God, that's where you go. But absolutely everything changes with Jesus Christ because Jesus describes himself as the new temple. In other words, if you want to encounter God, if you want to see what God's like, if you want to have your life healed and transformed, you come to Jesus. And uh, he actually, at the beginning of John's Gospel said, you'll remember we read this at Christmas, he took on flesh and, and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, blah, 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 blah. And there's this sense of this being a word there. Is, I, he, he was the temple among us. And you'll remember Jesus goes into the temple, doesn't he? And he clears the whole temple out. And everyone goes, well, by what authority are you doing this, you weirdo Jesus? And he said, actually, you know, you can knock this temple down. I'll rebuild it in three days. And they said, what do you mean you'll rebuild it in three days? It's taken 46 years to build. And he's talking about his body, him being the temple. And they subsequently kill him and destroy him like they, they, they did the first temple. And three days later, he rises again. Such is his power. And that temple he was referring to was actually uh, trashed by the Romans in AD 70. But you see, Jesus is the new temple. And he talks, he picks up on Ezekiel's prophecy. What does he say to the woman by the well? I can give you living water that will well up within you. It's, a, it's an allusion back to Ezekiel. So he's the new temple from where this blessing uh, is flowing. But it gets even freakier than that. Shall I tell you it gets even freakier than that? Because he then defeats death. He's risen again. He ascends into heaven. And uh, he actually then says, 
Church, you're now the temple because I actually am going to pour out my spirit and I'm going to live inside you by my Holy Spirit. And so the Apostle Paul says what he says, don't you know your temples of the Holy Spirit? And Paul talks about God uh, um, actually creating this new spiritual house. So you are temples, look at one another, you are temples, you are, God is building his new temple in and through you. Everyone's laughing, looking a bit embarrassed, but it's true, you have the presence of God living inside you, it's the spirit of Jesus is living inside you. And so actually, for some reason, God has set this up so that if people want to encounter God and see what God's like and experience healing and transformation, they, they need to uh, meet you. They need to come to you, and uh, they need to encounter Jesus through you. It's so important we remember this, because I don't know about you, but you can sort of think, oh, who am I? What's my life? Actually, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit with whom God himself dwells. And this is, really, this is, the, this is the heart of all things. Okay. And uh, this is important because Jesus wants to bring transformation through you and through the church. And he's been doing, he's, he's brought amazing transformation through the church. And um, this is important for us as a church in this season because over the next few weeks we're going to unpack this. But basically, God is wanting to bring transformation to Guildford through you and I. Are you, do you agree with that? Now he can, he could just God people somehow, and sometimes he does, but he's chosen to co-partner with you and I and bring transformation to Guildford and beyond through uh, us. How are we going to do this? We're going to talk about this the next few weeks, okay? The first thing we're going to do is we're going to build community. We've had a real focus on community here, and uh, we're going to just keep our focus on building community the community of the church, the community with whom Christ dwells through his spirit. Secondly, we're going to shine brightly. I'm going to speak about this next week, about being people who speak about the extraordinary nature of Jesus, who live differently and actually point to the wonders of who God is. And then thirdly, uh, we're going to be people, if we're going to do that, we're going to be people who live courageously and uh, express our gifts, take risks, all the rest of it. How are you going to do this then? In closing, how on earth can you do all this? You can't do this in your own strength. You've got to let the river of God flow through you. Are you in the river? Is the river of God flowing through you? Is it a trickle? Is it ankle deep? Is it knee deep? What's the river of God doing in and through you? If you're going to see the river flow through you, you have to do what Jesus did. You have to uh, do that through love and service, through love of God and service of God. Jesus did that on the cross. When they pierced his side, what flowed? Blood and water from the new, tem from the new temple. So we need to be people uh, through whom God can flow. So that means we need to be people um, who leak, isn't it? 
Now, I'm going to end with this, but there's this... Um, is, anyone, is anyone a bit OCD with taps? Okay, you don't have to admit this publicly. I am a bit OCD with taps, okay? There's a few nods, thank you. The other two services today, no one even gave a hint that they were like this, but I know statistically there's a lots of us in the room. So we have a tap on the outside of our house that, you know, the rector, you've been there for the party or whatever, and uh, every night... <laughs> I feel embarrassed. Anyway, I lock the house and I go out to the garden to make sure the tap is off tightly. Because sometimes my kids leave it on and I don't want to flood. I don't want water everywhere. Uh, and sometimes people come into our garden, I don't even know how they are, and just turn it on. So that's why I, so I, I turn it hard and then I've got this other little routine. I put my hand under the tap. Do you ever do that? Just to check it's off. And then I can go and sleep well. Okay. But you see, God doesn't want the taps off. He wants them on. He wants the taps on. And uh, he wants stuff to flow through us. Uh, Jesus says, out of you, my spirit will flow. You, we receive and we give. And if we turn the taps off, which I do on my side of my house, we become like the Dead Sea. The water comes in, it goes nowhere. And we start to die and shrivel and find this whole Christian thing a bit boring and wonder who God is and uh, give up. So you've got to just turn the taps on, open your uh, life to God. And you see this powerful work of restoration. And at this time in our country, let's go back to where we started. Let's be people, you know, our prime allegiance isn't to political parties, it's to Jesus Christ. But in the season we find ourselves in a country, uh, let's be people who, who speak peace and bring God's life, not polar, polarization and criticism and all that sort of stuff. And let's be people who have hope. We can be people who have hope because we, we, we just know where this is going. We know where the river is flowing. We know, we, we know historic, it's historical fact what has happened in the first, the second temple with Jesus, uh, with the church. And this is where it's ending. It's called Eden Restored. It's kind of like right at the end of the Bible. I'm going to read Revelation 22, 1 and 2. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. The nations will be healed, are being healed through Jesus Christ. Why? Because the river is flowing and nothing can stop the river. It's flowing, it's flowing. God is transforming and we can always be people of hope. Amen.